You are listening to the Lima Community Church Podcast. The following was recorded at Lima Community Church of the Nazarene in Lima, Ohio. There once was a man who, he was so just devoted and his, his, as a, a follower of God and so firm in his belief and his faith about God. He, his faith and his belief in God were just influential to his whole life. His life was consumed by his, his desire to teach the way of God and to live in the way of God. This man uh, was a well-respected teacher among other teachers. He was very influential over others in the faith, people who had grown up in that culture, grown up in that faith. Just a devoted follower of God and firm believer in God's law and God's will. This man was so firm in his view of God and held so strongly to his convictions and beliefs about God that he began to become troubled when a group of these followers, a group of these, these people within this faith started to follow a, a new teaching of God, started to profess uh, some new ideas about this faith. And this was so troubling because for this man, it was almost as if these people were spitting in the face of God and they were just tarnishing the faith and tarnishing uh, the very image of God himself. What these people were doing was blasphemy and, and disgraceful. He was so troubled by it that they quickly became his enemy and he wanted to see anybody, anybody who was blaspheming or misusing or just tarnishing God's name, he wanted to see them brought to justice to answer for their crimes and their, their, their willful transgression against God and God's law. This man had gone as far as to call for the execution of many of these people and probably wouldn't rest until he saw all of them thrown into prison. He was so sure about his beliefs and so firm in how he viewed God and the world around him that he wanted the destruction of those who viewed God any different than how he had known God to be and been taught God to be and had been teaching God. So this man sets out on a journey where at his destination, he had hoped to gather up all people, men and women, who had been following this new teaching, professing this new kind of faith, to gather them up and bring them back in chains so that they could answer for what they had been doing and, and for how they had been just disgracing God's name and God's law, which had been so important to him and his life and the people and his culture during that time. But before he got to his destination, something miraculous happened. As he's traveling towards his destination, walking along the road, 
so focused on bringing these people to justice, a great light consumes him and stops him in his tracks. A light so bright and so powerful that everything around him is out of view and he, he can't see in front of him. He can't see where he's going and he's dazed and he dis, he's disoriented. And I almost imagine that everything around him just goes silent. As he's literally blinded by this great light. Now, before this man could comprehend what was happening or what his, figure out what his next move might be, a voice boomed all around him, so loud yet so very clear, pleading with this man, why? Why are you persecuting me? Why are you so angry with me? Why do you wanna just bring so much violence and hatred towards me? Now, upon hearing this voice, the man knew exactly who it was. But yet it seemed a bit unfamiliar to him. And, and, and as he was still very much in a daze and trying to regain his posture, this man had unexpectedly found himself in the midst of a life-changing, mind-altering encounter with God Almighty. Some of you might recognize this story as the story of a man named Saul, who we as the church now know as the apostle Paul, who has become extremely influential for the Christian faith and was so influential in the growth of the early church. And he's even written a, a large portion of, of our texts in the New Testament this is his story. Paul's heart and entire way of thinking has been completely changed. And this incredible encounter he's had with Jesus in Acts chapter 9 becomes the catalyst for an incredible ministry where the Holy Spirit begins to do some amazing work through Paul and has continued to do amazing work through him. Our scripture that Pastor Chip's been guiding us through over the last couple months uh, in our series on relationology has been from Romans chapter 12, written by this same Paul, this same Paul who just had a life-changing encounter with Jesus has written our passage we've been diving into. And as we've been reading it and focusing on uh, what this passage means for how we live out our lives and how we live in relationship, not just with God, but with other people. So join me in just focusing on uh, our, our, uh, our passage, the first five verses of Romans 12, and keep Paul's story in mind as we read through this. Paul writes, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. The classic translation there is do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
But I just love the way that the New Living Translation words it here. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. The key here that I want you to grab onto this morning that sticks out in this passage is God. Let God transform you. Let God change who you are into who God wants you to be. Let God change the way you think, make you into a new person. Let God be the driving force for what you do and why you do it. That's the key. Let God transform you. Now be careful not to let the way that you think about God or who you think God is be what drives you, but let God drive you and allow God to guide you and move through you in the ways that God wants to move. We have to remember Saul very much believed he was serving and honoring God. He was so strong and so firm in his, in his faith and in the, and following the law to the T, to so focused on it, he genuinely believed he was within God's law and God's will but by, by gathering up all these people who he felt were just damaging this view of God, gathering them up, throwing them in prison, having them killed. He believed he was serving God. And it took for God to literally blind him and to say, Saul, stop. This is not who I am, who you've thought me to be, who you, what you've believed about me and taught about me and, and, and this anger that is driving you and this hatred that is driving you to, to harm my people in this way. That's not me. That is not the way, that is not the way I am calling you towards. So we have to let God be our driving focus. We have to let God transform us, change the way we think, make us into a new person. Also, we recognize that this, our faith and this journey with Christ, we're not doing this alone. We're leaning on Christ, leaning on the spirit. But we also, as the verse says, we are all just one part of a larger body. So lean on each other, recognize your strengths, recognize where you're weak, lean on each other and, and journey along this faith together as Christ's body, as the church, lift each other up, worship God with each other. 
that's all very important to the Christian life and living in relationship with him. I just wrapped up a six-week series with the teens titled Everyday Christian, Living Like Christ Seven Days a Week. And during this series, we talked about um, just, every, just different aspects of life, different aspects of, of our faith and how our faith, our relationship with God, how it should impact and influence uh, our relationships with the world and with uh, just every part of our life. So we talked about our relationships with our families and, and how do we share Christ-like love at home? Because even though it seems like it'd be easy to love your family, actually can be very difficult. I think many of us in here would, would agree that there's moments where we just, we get frustrated with our siblings, our parents, our kids. Sometimes it can be hard. So how do we model that Christ-like love even at home and with our families? We also talked about our relationships at school. So adults that could be also at work. What does our life outside of the church, these walls look like? Are we, are we living the same way at school and at work that we are when we're at church? Are we acting the same way? Are we saying the same things? That's all very important. And it's important for living a, a, a life of following Jesus. And so what do your relationships look like with people at work? and at school, at home. We also talked about our relationship with creation and just recognizing the beauty of God and everything we see in our neighbors, in the trees, in the sky, recognizing uh, God's handiwork and how God's purpose is to restore and to redeem and for heaven and earth to come together. And so how can we be good stewards and care for those around us? But significantly, we, we ended the series on talking about worldview. And we talked about how the way you view the world directly influences the way that you act and treat others. So for instance, if I just took a very negative viewpoint of the world, right? And I'm just like, ah, nothing matters. I hate everybody. Everyone's terrible. Nothing matters. I'm gonna do what I want. I don't care. And then obviously with that viewpoint, I am just gonna do whatever I want. And I'm not gonna care about how others are impacted, how other people are influenced and how my actions, like the consequences, there's no fear of consequences and it doesn't matter. But what would a Christian worldview look like? How does our relationship with Christ influence our relationships with the world around us? Does it change anything? How are those around you impacted? How is your life impacted by your relationship with Christ? So we have to let God transform us and change the way we think to view the world through the lens of Christ. And so I ask, what, what does a truly transformed life look like? One might say, well, I, I go to church every week. I read my Bible on occasion. I, I can even quote scripture better than a lot of people I know, which is all great. Those are great things. But 
are you really living in a relationship with him? Because God doesn't just want pieces or parts of your life or certain moments where you worship and praise him, but God wants all of you. Every piece of your life, every aspect of it, he, he wants to transform you. He wants to consume everything you are. Your love for God should be driving your love for your neighbor. And your relationship with Christ should be deeply impacting your relationships with others. A, another individual that comes to mind when talking about living a transformed life is uh, someone who lived a, a long, a little while ago uh, in Germany. His name was Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was a pastor, theologian, um, he, a philosopher, he, he was a very influential voice uh, during, uh, during World War II and the Nazi regime in Germany. And if, adults, if you, if you don't know his story, I would encourage you to look it up because it, it it's crazy. <laughs> it's kind of a crazy story. But he had this idea that I think Paul, in a sense, is, it really is coming uh, from the words of Paul and what Paul is getting at in this passage in Romans 12. And, and it was this idea of cheap grace versus costly grace. And for Bonhoeffer, cheap grace was an issue that he saw was very just prominent with, with his people and with people in the church and that he was getting very concerned about. And really what, what cheap grace is, it's this idea of a life of faith being lived out and, and just um, focused on, on being covered by this grace, but there's, there's, no, there's no focus on discipleship. There's no um, desire for growth. There's no uh, room for the cross and for Christ's sacrificial love. And so it's, it's this idea that um, for Bonhoeffer, he saw that there was a lot of people that probably just felt like, well, I, I prayed a prayer and I asked uh, Jesus into my heart and then I'm good, I'm good to go. But just as Paul is calling us in this, in this passage, it, the, a relationship with Christ is more than just the forgiveness of your sins, but it's moving forward in Christ and it's allowing God to transform you and to guide you and to consume everything that you are. And so that's why Bonhoeffer um, valued this idea of costly grace, which costly grace is a grace that calls lowly fishermen to lay their nets behind them and to follow Jesus. It's a kind of grace that um, calls corrupt tax collectors to change their hearts and leave a life of earthly riches behind to seek the riches of the kingdom. It's a kind of grace that calls a, a um, respected Jewish leader so focused on arresting Christians into becoming one of the most influential Christian leaders in the Christian faith. That is a grace that is costly. And you see God's grace it's not cheap, it's beautiful and it's costly. And it calls us to lay our old ways behind us 
and to follow in the way of Jesus. That's costly grace. When you enter into a relationship with Jesus, you are choosing to lay your old way of living down and be made new. Those who we've just witnessed be baptized this morning have put on public display the beautiful covenant that we are grafted into with God. Going under the water, signifying their death with Christ and rising out, signifying new life, where they've agreed to allow God to transform them and to make them new. Listen to what Paul goes on to say in verses 9 through 17 of uh, Romans chapter 12. He says, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil, but do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live at peace with everyone. Do people know that you are living in a relationship with Christ. And how do they know? Because simply telling people about Jesus and saying you're a Christian does not always mean you are living a transformed life or that you are living a genuine faith. So how do we know if someone is living a transformed life? Well, we look at the fruit. Listen to what Paul writes in Galatians chapter five, verses 23 through 26. He says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed their passions and their sinful nature and desires to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. 
My prayer for us this morning, as we leave here and we go through our week, is that we might be transformed. May we allow God to transform us from the inside out, renewing our minds, changing the way we think, making us into a new person, giving us an entirely new perspective on how we view the world, viewing the, allowing us to view the world through the lens of Christ. So may God's grace go before us and around us and through us, transforming who we are and calling us to lay our old ways down and to follow in the way of Jesus. May we go from this place seeking Christ in all things, bearing the good fruit of the spirit. May we strive to live in Christ-like community and unity with those around us, serving each other, mourning with each other, celebrating with each other, living life together and following in the way of Jesus together. Will you pray with me? God, thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for this grace that calls us to leave our old ways behind and to follow the way of Jesus. Thank you for those who have been baptized this morning. And God, I pray for them as you continue to transform them, form them and guide them as they, as they walk this path and, and follow Jesus, that you, you just continue to mold them into who you want them to be. Lord, may your grace just consume each of us here, moving through us in ways that we might not expect. Help us to live like Christ and to seek your kingdom. Help us to model Christ's likeness in how we worship and how we treat one another, how we treat those around us. Lord, be with us. Lord, transform us. We thank you and we praise you. It's in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit we pray, amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you this morning. Uh, we'd love to see you all over and the access for our Fall Fun Fest. May you have a great week. Thank you for listening. For more information about our church, visit limacommunitychurch.com.